welcome to another exciting episode of Bloody Good Horror. My name's Eric and I will be your host for this evening, where we will be reviewing Videodrome. Long live the new flesh, Nars. That's all I have to say tonight. Joining me tonight on the show, first up from Philadelphia, Philadelphia. Please welcome Joe to the show. What's going on? Philadelphia is one of those weird cities, I feel like, where like... It's just the state also. Like, what else is in Pennsylvania, right? Like, I mean, I mean Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Notabur- Notabur- yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, sure. Erie. Sure. Altoona. Dun- Dun- Dunder yeah, Mifflin. Just... Next up on the show yeah. from Indiana, please welcome Casey. Hello. And last up tonight from Manhattan, New York City, please welcome Josh Nars to the show. Hi, Eric. Hi, John. <laughs> I for, want you to know that forever now, I will be picturing your job as what James Woods does in this movie, which is watch satellite feeds and just try to find the perviest thing for his cable channel. Yeah. Channel 83. I'm, I'm look, I'm jealous. It's <laughs> I, I think I subliminally was aspiring to this, actually, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. the last mm-hmm. however many years. Uh, this is a schnarzy staff pick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So get excited. Let's take a quick break and talk about Videodrome. This is it, Jennifer. Your big break in TV. Stop the front time. My main takeaway from this movie, John, uh, Debbie Harry is a wonderful musician. Uh, yeah, that's that's about it. (laughs) Um, no comment. Okay. I like it. Joe made a face. I mean, mean, she's a great uh, model too. Yeah. The acting. Not great. (laughs) It's, It's not great. You're not here for the acting. Like if you showed up for the acting, it is a yeah. movie, John, to be fair. Well, I know. It's a, it's a Cronenberg the, joint. I though. saw the Mario movie yesterday. Some cr- crazy good acting in that movie. Dude, I was going to ask you. So your kids are on uh, spring break as well? Because yeah. we're, we're on the New York spring break right now. Um, I saw it on Sunday, Saturday. Wasn't good. I, that's my review. Well, this is a good tease, John, because let's talk about it. After, after. the show. Yes. Fine. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I listen, I was the one who brought it up. John, I could go please, along. John, please bring us the word of the day. Eric, today's word is analog. That's A-N-A-L-O-G. Analog is relating to or using signals or information represented by a continuously variable physical quantity such as spatial position, voltage, etc., Uh, of a clock or watch showing the time by means of hands rather than display digits, not involving or relating to the use of computer technology as a contrast to digital. Uh, That first definition, very confusing. Also fitting for this film, I would would argue, by virtue of being confusing, I I should say. Um, Comes to us from the Greek analogous, which means proportionate. I love it. Mm-hmm. Analog. Analogous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. John, I'm going to, uh, I think that 
you're probably of all of us the one most likely to have a secretary although maybe casey has one now could you have them start taping you like videotaping you your morning wake-up call that i guess you just program your vcr to play at your oh my time? gosh is so good it's <laughs> the way the movie opens too which it's just it's wild Uh, and then i think there's a scene later where we see her like hand him the tape for the next day right no no she goes into his apartment i guess she has a key and she's like here's your tape yeah exactly like she's basically like shows up at his apartment to like set up the tape for the next day Hmm. yeah but she also came in too because if i'm she's you didn't show up so i'm coming to you she's still gonna show up Mm -hmm. wherever he's at john yeah. Why did you pick Videodrome and what's it about? So this is a movie I've been wanting to revisit for a long time. Um, we, I mean, we just talked about Infinity Pool not so long ago. Joe, Joe, you were on that show? Mm, no? Yes. No. I can't I remember who's one. on. I, oh my. Whew. Um, <laughs> I can't remember who's any, on any given show anymore, but uh you know, so we spent we've spent a little time with the Cronenberg Jr. Now uh, we're returning to the father, and yeah, I don't know. Like this was a movie uh, I had seen it probably fifteen to twenty years ago, um, and I was overdue for a rewatch. It's funny because a guy I work with. Uh, he and I had gotten into a conversation about Cronenberg, and it was like one of those where I was like, "You haven't seen these, you know those and." He then watched Videodrome maybe two weeks ago, comes in and he was just like, holy shit, I can't believe this movie. It's unbelievable. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, you know what? I probably should rewatch this. So then when the staff pick came up, it was sort of a natural uh, transition point. I, just quickly, I think, Joe, you're the only one who hadn't seen this previously. I believe so. I definitely, I mean, all I know is I haven't seen it. I don't know about the other guys. <laughs> but like, but, but Casey and Eric, you had at least, yeah. you had watches at some point. I had seen it one time in my probably early 20s. Yeah. I mean, that, that's like similar for me. So just quickly, um, this is an interesting movie. It, Cronenberg has this period from, so 77 is rabid. Uh, Shivers is 75. He then goes, the Brood in 79, Scanners 81, Videodrome 83, and then Dead Zone also came out in 83. I mean, that is just like, whew. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I was really excited to revisit this. I was excited to have an excuse to revisit it. Um, just to set it up quickly, the main character here is Max Wren, played by James Woods. As Eric was joking about earlier, he is a television executive. Uh, I guess you would call him like a programming executive um, who works for a UHF television station called Civic TV in Toronto. Um, and he is like obsessed with finding sort of like the, the cutting edge of. I don't know, like, I don't, like what, like what, what, what is the cutting edge of like what people are interested in or like will tolerate like a, there's like a sensationalism to it I, like or and like a titillation factor and so he's like we first meet him he's having this meeting about acquiring a library of sort of 15 tapes that are i don't know like japanese or korean pornography essentially i think japanese because it was sort of like a geisha setup um and 
so he quickly in in collaboration with this guy who's like the tech slash engineering guy at the station, they find this scrambled feed through a satellite. There's like this hilarious like satellite turning sequence that's fully 30 seconds of a satellite turning on this roof. Um, they find the scrambled feed of a f- what at first is sort of really aggressive sort of S&M in a dungeon setup, um, but then reveals itself to be what lo- like what Max assumes to be a, a staged snuff film. Um, he explores its origins other people believe it's a real snuff film. It's like a, re- you know, and so the rest of the film is like it, that, that leads to, I mean, I'm like skipping a lot of things because like in any Cronenberg movie that leads to like all kinds of random shit happening, but uh, including him having a very sort of S and M tinged relationship with Debbie Harry, um, who is a local television news reporter, I believe. Sure. Uh, um, <laughs> but he then starts to run down the origins of this because he's because he wants to acquire it to to show on his his Toronto television station, um, and that blows open like an even bigger conspiracy that is sort of happening under the surface. I'm going to leave it at that. Love it, Joe. What did you think as a first timer? So I actually just love this movie and was really surprised by it because it finally all kind of clicked as to like, there's certain directors that there's their style and everything about them. Like David Lynch in his abstract surrealism Uh, with Cronenberg. I finally understood that instead of looking for answers, I'm just watching somebody ask question after question after question. Um, And the way that he does it by looking at the advent of technology and its uh, integration into human culture, uh, I thought it was interesting because it kind of, some of the, the questions kind of mirrored what the censors and media had about his own work, which is, is consuming ultra-violent, ultra-sexual, ultra-provocative media, uh, would that essentially corrupt the viewer? Um, and I, I thought that was really interesting. I loved Rick Baker's special effects. Um, yeah, uh, two very big thumbs up for me. (laughs) Casey. Uh, yeah, I'd seen this oddly enough. I think I saw this once back in my early twenties too. And the first time around, I didn't get it. I mean, I'll flat out tell you it's, uh, I mean, I was young and dumb and it was weird and I didn't know what to make of it, but watching it now, it kind of blew me away. It just, it, aged very well in its themes and the stuff they're talking about here. And it was kind of shocking on how well it aged and it just made a whole lot more sense to me this time around. And I really dug it. Um, I've got some weird theories on this with uh, the recently announced faces of death uh, remake that's coming. I'll get into that later, but they, I could see a lot of parallels here. The idea of, uh, I mean, exactly what Joe was talking about, the way the idea of this videotape and the violence that is 
triggering these other things, part of this experiment and whatnot. It's just, I don't even know that I fully understand it. It's fascinating and love to watch it play out. Now I won't argue this is a horror movie. I won't argue that it's not a horror movie or anything like that. For me, this almost seems like a dark sci-fi movie, which I think is fully intentional, but I mean, looking at it from a sci-fi angle and the way it splinters off and all the layers to what they're talking about here. I, I love it. No, I, I think I think that's totally fair. So it's funny because if you read, I was looking at the Wikipedia page just to like, there's so much plot nonsense that happens. I was like, I just got to make sure I remember exactly what was going on. Um, yeah, <laughs> they describe it as a dark. They describe it as a sci-fi body horror, which I'm sort yeah. of like, what is it? Like dark sci-fi is horror, right? Like it's like if yeah, it's like Black Mirror. This this is a precursor. This is a very graphic precursor to a lot of Black Mirror, right? And so, oh yeah, um, and and obviously like Black Mirror made in whatever the late they're like twenty the late twenty tens to early twenty twenties is talking about modern technology and looking forward. This was like modern technology. I mean, this it's all yeah. about VHS or or beta, as Eric was saying as he was texting us as he was watching it, like the the it's sort of comical to see some of the tape technology they're working with here because it, you know, even at the time it was sort of, this was during the, the format battle, I guess you would say. But, um, I totally, like, I would say coming into watching this, um, this was sort of like in the middle of the, uh, Cronenberg. Like I, he's like one of my favorite filmmakers. We talk about him a bunch. This was in the middle for me of some of his films. It might in this rewatch, it might have like risen all the way to like the very top. It's just, it's kind of wild. Um, some of it is, it's like crazy how interesting slash relevant it is for the conversations that are happening today around TikTok and Twitter and just social media more generally. And like, I don't know, like it's that's like there's a lot of things that are today that are commentaries on social media and TikTok. Like to see something that was made in 1983 mm-hmm. that's primarily about VHS tapes and like s- illicit satellite signals. And like some of the, sh- there are lines in this movie where you're like, holy shit. Like that are extremely, yeah. It's like yeah. they literally saw the future. I, I mean, it's like, uh, whatever. Like, I don't know if you, um, you all have ever like dug in on like the Marshall McLuhan and all the like sort of like media theory from, this relative time frame, like, well, it's interesting um, too. Not that it's really textual in the movie, but like, it's you're also looking at the dawn of the home computing age at the same exact time, totally. Arbonette yeah. and like stuff like that. No, I mean, look, like he's processing all of that shit in this movie. We should also say this movie is an hour and twenty twenty eight minutes long. We watched the Criterion mm. cut. Um, it the the um uh narrative. Uh, uh, efficiency is exceptionally high, like almost too high. If someone were to remake this today, it would be like an eight part fucking miniseries, which would be absurd and like obviously too long, but it's just the beauty of what he's doing. I could get into a series because it would explain more. Well, sure. Foreshadow my opinion on this movie. But like, I, I actually, and this is the way I feel about a lot of his movies. He's just like, Figure it out yourself. I mean, look, like we talked not that long ago about Crimes of the Future, which like I was, you know, that's at the bottom of my list. I don't know. Like maybe I'll watch that movie in 20 years and be like, 
wow <laughs> brilliant <laughs> yeah, he, yeah he saw it all um art organs the i don't know there's like there's like a million directions i could go on this uh I think Eric, like the movie that I know you love that we like talk about a lot or we have referenced a lot is Existence. Existence, like, yeah. This is, I think it's 10 years before Existence comes out. It's very, they are no, very Existence much. Existence is like the year 2000. Uh, is, I thought it was like late or early 90s. Uh, oh, you're right. No, you're April right. It was 99. 1999. Yeah. Millennium, so, baby. Yeah. So, all right. So this was like 15, 16 years before. I just view them as very much. If anything, like I feel like Existence like cribs a lot from this movie and and carries it's it like forward an in a really, version of it. Yeah, yeah, same it carries idea. it forward in a really interesting way. Obviously, more video game focused, whereas this is just like video. Yeah, video. Yeah, so it was interesting. I my memory. So I watched this movie in the early two thousands, which was a time when I was in college and uh, had like high speed internet for the first time and found horror communities for the first time and was expanding my horizons with movies, just stuff I hadn't seen, which was most stuff like, cause when I was a kid, anything that wasn't a Halloween sequel, right? When I was a kid, I had my like wheelhouse and that's just, I would occasionally go venture out, but I was largely stayed kind of in my place. But, um, so this was like in that period when I was just, ingesting a lot of everything just trying to sample everything all the 80s 90s stuff i missed i don't didn't remember loving it um definitely not as much as most people because this is really held up i think like i think by that i mean revered as like a cult classic uh around that i probably watched scanners around that same time which i probably liked more honestly um I was expecting to like it more on the rewatch and I um, exactly, I think I was right the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I find Cron- I liked it the same. I find Cronenberg's movies to be a, a hair too intentionally obtuse for me. Um, like you, what you're describing, John, it's like he's not get like, yeah, on a theoretical level i understand the ideas and concepts the movie is playing with but on a like story and plot level i understand almost nothing of this movie like and i was watching just like no that didn't make sense and then just when you kind of think you might be getting a grip on it then we start jumping around like we're in the tv we're out of the tv like what's real i don't know why but i something this has changed for me a little bit as i've gotten older but I'm like mega annoyed by fucking movies like that now. Like I need more of an anchor in a film. And so that's just like a blanket beef I have with a lot of like Cronenberg stuff. It certainly is visually very shocking in a lot of places. The effects are fantastic. Um, Debbie Harry is a terrible actress, but (laughs) she's not in it that much. Like she's in like three scenes. I I do think that some of that stage presence she has carries over into this role. Um, You know, she's very, let's say lovingly shot by the camera. Uh, I mean, this is just, she's just, she's a beautiful woman and very, very bewitching John. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so I I do think she works here despite not being the greatest actress. Um, it's hard for me to watch James Woods in 2023, just knowing what I know about him. And like, 
he is just is what he is. He's got his shtick and you either kind of like it or you don't. What I will say, I'll, I'll echo what you're saying, John. I think why this movie might still be worth watching to me in 2023 is like, it is at times shockingly prescient in ways that actually for me, has it aged a little better than the first time I saw it? Because now I'm like, not only am I much more nostalgic for the video era now, like at the time when I discovered it early 2000s, like video was not cool. Even though I had loved video my whole life, it was very much like DVDs, right? Like my collection of VHS was not cool in 2001, John. It was pretty cool. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Okay. um, There are some people on the internet who might be envious of my collection, John. I think that's a fair thing to say. Fair enough. But, uh, so I so like with hindsight, I have much more nostalgia for the video stuff. It's much kitschier and funnier to me now. But also like he just was straight up predicting a lot of things of the Internet. The line that really stuck out to me was like when he talks about how he has like basically a screen name now, like he has a, a pet yeah. name and he goes, soon we'll, he says, like, soon we'll all have new names. And I'm like, yeah, we do. We totally do. Yeah. Though uh, yeah. That's kind of stuff is brilliant. And just. Um. That's like, Dr. Play, Brian Oblivion, not his real name, not playing, his given name. Playing with the idea that like the screen literally is an appendage mm-hmm. and will blur the lines of what's real and what isn't. I mean, that's even, I think, prescient in ways that are still to be bore out when we look at like AI deep fake video technology. Like I know we've joked about on the show, John, there are like text to video generators now and it's yeah pretty rudimentary oh, yeah. but it's, it's it's like accelerating shockingly fast like everything else so like the idea that we cannot trust our eyes is a concept that we as a society are only beginning to learn the consequences of and this is a movie that is foreshadowing that stuff again like oh uh was it 40 years ago i mean in a pretty shocking way so like yeah. for reference if the, if you were looking back if this was a movie about 1983 it would have been made in the 40s so like it's just it's pretty wild the passage of time john what year was 19 1984 was probably written in like the mid 50s or late 50s if i had to guess but right um, exactly so yeah i mean that that stuff is really fascinating and i would love a smarter person than me to write a think piece on how how forward-looking this film was well uh but as a movie i'm kind of eh. I could still give or take, take it or leave. No, I mean, you, you made the point earlier that like a longer version of this might actually like win, win more hearts and minds where he's Um, like slowly and like week by week, slowly unraveling the conspiracy of this like snuff tape. I think that could be pretty good. No, totally. I I just think it's, it's so wild to, I was just watching a movie before uh, we hopped on while I was eating my dinner because there's no kids around so I can do something like that um, on Netflix. And as we've talked a lot about here, like these fucking Netflix movies, they're just so full of shit at a certain point. This movie is the exact opposite. If you are not paying attention for five goddamn seconds, there are like very relevant plot points that you're missing. Mm. Um, And and like, even if you're paying attention as Eric kind of highlighted, like, there's still stuff that can be difficult to unwind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I, I kind of like it. I think the density of information is, is super interesting. Um, the, the, the sort of iconic thing that people remember is like the final sequence and, or the final, I think it's like mostly the final. this idea of the new flesh 
Mm-hmm. Like if we were to like, if you unpack it and it's, it's, it is a Dr. Oblivion thing. The idea is that your video presence and like by cataloging yourself on video, you are creating a presence that is more important than your actual physical mm. presence. That is the new flesh. Oh. That's like our fucking life every media, day yeah. now. <laughs> like, yeah, I was, yeah. was going to say, that's like Instagram, you know, like it's, the posts you see Instagram versus real life. That's exactly what that is. It's, it's not even like, dude, I don't even use social media. I use, but like I use Google photos and it's like my entire, my life, my kids entire life. Like it's all there. And, like, and if you all, look at, if you look at kids, right. Who are like, a depressed because of social media and also you know some kids like committing suicide like there is a level to where that presence and existence is more important to some people than their physical everyday existence which is exactly what he's talking about in this movie well, he's not talking about that in this movie. Well, he's talking about fucking VHS, he's talking like about VHS, video recording. But it's that's yeah. what's so crazy. Like, but, but I like to me, it really strikes me as this guy had some extremely forward thinking ideas about technology, and all he was able to do was express it using technology at the time. But I feel like if you had gone back and talked to him, he probably would have been thinking about essentially trying to envision a future that he couldn't quite see yet. I mean, the internet didn't exist. Like, it practically did not. I mean, it existed, but it did not like exist in a way that rando people were using it. You know, so. Um, but he, I, he could clearly see where things were going because if this was an accident, yeah. it's like the biggest, most amazing accident in well, film history. It's so th- we, you know, you you reference the the Oblivion line that happens like pretty early in the movie when he's talking about his like quote unquote screen name. He doesn't, I can't remember what he calls it. It's like his whatever pseudonym. Um, he is effectively dialing in via Zoom call, which is how we do this show every week, um, to a TV show. I like that was actually like really wild to see because like, I guess they did that. I don't, I wasn't, I was one years old when this movie came out. So like, I wasn't watching that much television, (laughs) but like, I don't think that was like a popular way that like round table discussions were happening. And then it's like revealed later in the movie that he was fucking dead at the time. And that they were basically like stitching that together with, with like uh, videotape, capture of him you know and hence this like idea of the new flesh yeah it was crazy man i was literally just reading an article about how companies at some point will be able to keep like create ai versions of your dead loved ones if you feed enough stuff into it just there's a there's a black mirror there's a black mirror on that actually yeah yeah well there's a whole series on uh, amazon uh, upload that's like that yeah i haven't seen that but yeah yeah i've i've read about it um yeah. Uh, what's your favorite scene there, Schnapps, or anybody? <sighs> I mean, other people can go. I I wanted to see if we could. Uh, we should talk favorite scenes, but like I I do want to see if we can unpack the effectively like the binary at the heart of the end of the movie or like the second half of the movie. Unpackage Nars. Well, no, no. Do do people want to talk about scenes first? I mean, the the iconic scene from this movie is the hole in uh the stomach i don't know what the the 
the new orifice that uh this dude loves Max like ran. Uh, body interfaces for yeah, lack yeah. Of a better term um that and so into that goes a gun at multiple points a videotape mm-hmm. i believe yep. um maybe not i don't know if anything else there's then i love the the sort of when the gun i think it comes like the first time we see it it like comes out and his hand is now fused with it. It's basically like the gun has been like processed into yeah. his body cavity. Yeah, because we see it come into his hand and then it grows all those cables and wires and stuff into his oh, arm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot about Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. Other sequences people want to... Joe, you loved um, the sex dungeon. You were pro-sex dungeon. I actually was very much pro-sex dungeon. I bet you it <laughs> smells amazing in there. <laughs> I love when they're like they so they think the signal comes from Malaysia. That's where they're originally. They're like, well, it looks like this is from Malaysia, and then they're like, psych! It's actually it was being scrambled, and it's coming from Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, yeah. a, a city that Eric didn't even deem to you know relevant <laughs> to be named in the state of Pennsylvania. Does not exist. Yeah, um, Pittsburgh. I mean, I guess when you're in Toronto, Pittsburgh seems fucking crazy but uh <laughs> <laughs> so, um yeah that is where george romero came from john oh that maybe that maybe that's uh, a there reference. You go. they were they were buddies weren't yeah they? it's totally totally Could possible be. plausible uh yes yeah, savini was there right wasn't it isn't it his like school yeah, was there too still is is it yeah okay yeah um Joe's yeah, I mean, Pen- Pennsylvania tourism board director. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, all right. So let's let's try to like nail this down. And I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I can. Nail it, John. So it is revealed that the video from Malaysia, but actually Pittsburgh, is part of an experiment done by a technology company. The experiment is itself called Videodrome. And the idea is that through video signals, they're basically doing mind control-ish stuff. Um, And they are experimenting on Max because they know he's someone who is like always out looking for these like rando signals. And so he's sort of like an easy entry point. And critically, he's someone that once they can control him, they can use him to distribute the signal via his channel in Toronto, which is like a secondary sort of like test to then roll out more broadly because this signal, and I think this is another one of these like relevant things, like is being produced by like a regular ass company. It's not like they're some like, they're called like spectacular optical or something like that. Really yeah. funny title. They're they're like a glasses company. They're they're the like lens crafters of <laughs> 1983. Um, but the other thing they're doing is this this like mind control again optical technology. Um, and so that's so like the bad guy here. I'm gonna get the actor's name quickly. Uh, he is because he's kind of hilarious. He's like a he's like the Pat Sajak of of Canada. Um, is it Peter Dvorsky? Is that is that the right guy? No, well, that's uh, that's Harlan. So yeah, yeah, that was like Harlan. the inside man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're talking Les- about Leslie Carlson. Leslie Carlson, exactly. Yeah. He plays Barry Convex. It's like all right, maybe <laughs> a little on the nose right? with, the, with the with the Convex, but um, 
All right, so you got Barry Convex. He runs the optical. It, the thing that I got a little tripped up on is there's this woman who's um, she's finding these these snuff films or, or whatever. She's finding the like crazy edgy stuff that they want to run on Masha. Civic TV channel eighty three. Yes. She points to Barry Oblivion and is like, actually, that signal looks like it's coming from Barry Oblivion, who's running this homeless shelter slash religious church. It's it's a church, but it's not obviously Christian necessarily. That's where this idea of the new flesh comes from. And their whole thing is these people are um, homeless or disadvantaged because they don't have access to screens. And so they're not able to like participate in like modern civic existence i think and so they're basically there's it's like basically a homeless shelter with all these tvs in cubicles right like okay so at first she points to barry oblivion is like that's where the signal's coming from he thinks it's coming so he's like running down that barry oblivion has his daughter whatever she's the one who's keeping him alive through the new flesh through his like videotapes Convex is like the really nasty, like he's like the bad guy who's like going to like mind control the entire world. And basically, while uh, our, our main character, Max, is mind controlled, he's a little bit of an antihero because at no point do you think he's like a good guy because he's trying to do all this like illicit videotape nonsense. He's getting mind controlled by the spectacular optical people, but then the Oblivion contingent convinces him that they need to like turn this technology to like unleash the, unleash this idea of the new flesh on everyone. Fucking reprogram yeah. with the, like, it's amazing. It's okay. So, oh, yeah. so that, that to you all is, that is what's happening here. So <laughs> I, like a couple questions I had now, the girl was the girl that he ran, ran into that started telling him James Woods or Max uh, more of what's going on was Oblivion's daughter, right? Yes. Correct. Like she, Bianca. But she was telling him that he got, I took it as she was telling him he got infected by accident because he happened to pick up that pirate signal and it rubbed off on him. So they weren't expecting. And then spectacular optics got excited because he had progressed in the experiment farther than any of their other subjects. Right. No, but he, but the, no. but the, the transmission was intentionally shown to him. It By wasn't real. That wasn't real. That's explained towards the end. Yeah. Okay. Like it, like in other words, that guy that he worked with was a plants. Yep. Yeah. I do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And like this, so he, it, so it, he was intentionally exposed to it. It was like a multi-year conspiratorial right. plan that he was like critical on being their like vector yeah. for propagating this cancer-causing mind control signal. So if we can pull this into the modern day, because again, I think it's actually like it's a really interesting the spectacular optical people are the centralized. If I can use social media, like let's just use social media as the, the the like corollary for what they're talking about with video. It's the centralized, it's the metas, it's the Twitters, it's, I don't know, Snapchat, whatever. Like there's like others. And then Oblivion is like, no, 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 that stuff all matters, but it needs to be 
of and by the it's the he's like the decent he's the arguer he's arguing for this idea of like decentralized like everyone has access to this technology uh, and and to, to put it in modern to put it in modern terms he's more open source yeah I, I yeah i mean like it's like mastodon or i don't know if you've seen blue yeah. sky <laughs> versus the like current twitter like um oh what's blue sky that's uh Should what's his name it's um Wow, what the hell's the asshole who f- founded Twitter and was like the CEO for a while? And I'm forgetting his name. Jack Dorsey. Yes, he just released basically like a Twitter clone. That's that is oh, a damn. decentralized Twitter. Um, and it, apparently, I've I mean, I have not looked at it personally, but I read about it. And it like it like looks and feels exactly like Twitter. That's what they call the meth in Breaking Bad. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Oh, really? Blue Sky. Yeah. Oh, hilarious. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, like... Oh, how did I miss this whole story? That's crazy. That's why I'm here, Eric, to explain the internet to you. That's so. shocking, right? Usually <laughs> it's the other way around. Uh, well, you're only on Twitter. This is the problem. And uh, I'll tell you where you're not going to read about this. Uh, if you read my Substacks notes... There you go. <laughs> yes. I just joined the wait list for Blue Sky, Joe. Um, it hasn't yeah, launched I don't know. yet, that's why. I, I just, like... I think like, look, like we're obviously applying this technology, this, this framework that, that this film put, puts forward to like our present. I feel like at any point in a given technology life cycle, you could probably watch this movie and be like, oh my God, this is applying to like this thing that we're living right now. And it's, I mean, so I do think the genius of Cronenberg is like, he identifies through this, this video format and sort of transition to uh individual or like personal use of technology that was going on he identified something that's like more generalizable about technology and technology technological change it's beyond that too because like the thing that i keyed in on was how would they uh when convex brought james or max in and then was put the helmet on him and stuff and was explaining to him about the videodrome and the experiment and stuff and he mentioned that they found that scenes of extreme violence really helped kick off the hallucinations and whatnot. And that feels like a prediction, too, just because we are so bombarded by violence and everything these well, days. So it's funny to me because the thing that I remembered about this movie was that this point about violence and, and like Max seeking out more violent and edgy content. And like, you're not wrong. Like this was, that was like another debate that was happening probably in the eighties and like it's happening today to a certain extent. I I mean, I would say it's happening less today than it has been. Um, And, and like it's, but to me, it, that's the, that's the like titillation that, that actually almost distracts from the, this sort of like bigger, more, I don't know, uh, metaphysical technology, I don't know, technology and civilization conversation, but like, it's still relevant. And it, and it is wild. Like the way that they frame this, like there's this like UHF station that was trying to show like snuff films basically. (laughs) So. I don't know why, but, just while you were talking and thinking about the imagery and stuff that's going on with the TV sets and stuff, I really want to know what David Cronenberg thought of Skidmerick. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, please. 
Uh, no, it d- d- does not require or you know, <laughs> argue for any more. I'd rather hear like David Lynch's review of it. If you're ever familiar with his Twitter <laughs> presence at all. Uh, David Lynch, Friday. I don't know if he still does it, but for a while he was giving daily weather updates. I'm best. waiting for him to get on the blue sky. So yeah. then I'll check <laughs> The, the best source of information. He looks out of his window and is like, it's sunny. <laughs> uh, any other scenes you guys wanted to mention? Do you, or do we cover it? You think? I mean, personally, I loved how Cronenberg shot the, like that initial sex scene with Nikki brand, another name way too on the mark as you see like her cutting on her neck and then she burns herself with the cigarette. But when that starts to blur the line between hallucination and not, uh, but the way that he focused, like he could have easily like sexed that thing up even more, but focusing on like the neck and the mouth and all this and these organic parts that would eventually evolve throughout the movie, but you had no idea. Um, I, I thought was really, really well done. The sex scene with Debbie yeah. Harry is so like confounding to me because it's like they've just met and then we just mm-hmm. cut to they're just naked in the living room. She's like, cut me, and he's like cool i'm like can we can i have some kind of transition here like what is going on though there was still some moments where max whose job is finding weirdo shit to put on tv and watches all this stuff and she was going too far for him and making him uncomfortable too he's like whoa that's Mm -hmm. like too much no 100 (laughs) percent. like she has these these scars on her and he sees them and is clearly taken aback like for him look i think it's important that he is asserting that these Malaysian slash Pittsburgh things are fake snuff films. Like he's a, he's like, these are great production value. Like he keeps talking about how they're so well put together yeah. all the way through like most of the film, you know, like for him, it's all production, it's production, production. And that's, I think in contrast to Oblivion, who is all about capturing reality it's it's like again that democratization of technology like democratization of the technology also reduces the like sort of i don't know like ability to do that next level production stuff uh, i don't know there's like a little bit of a dichotomy that's going on there as well throughout the movie I, like eric to me the like them jumping into that sex scene that's that's like efficiency of storytelling like i don't need to but see like, them have dinner. a lot like, of those they have things dinner, like they're gonna have, you know but like, like a lot of those things compounded on top of each other is what eventually loses me from these movies because then i feel like i can't yeah. follow anything that's happening at some point it's disorienting because you're like wait right. a second like we're hold on and some of that i don't know like i i will you all can disagree with me i chalk it up to a little bit of like uh narrative structure like we've been conditioned to expect certain things in in film like i i don't know like i think if you watched a bunch of shit from the 80s in different genres you might be like oh yeah like sometimes they did shit like that. i mean i'll say straight up too i think i just don't like body horror Mm, Um, it makes me it makes me uncomfortable in a way that i am not intrigued by like not uncomfortable and like ooh, let's explore that it's like 
when orifices are opening in this movie and we're sticking things, I'm not watching. I mean, I'm straight up just like averting my eyes. I don't need to see this. I already watched this once in my life. I'm all set. So, you know. You prude. I've turned it into one, I'm telling you. Well, Schnars, real quick to your point, uh, I think one of the things that, one of the reasons you see Max in like essentially trying to assert that it's production value is it's his denial coming forth because I don't think he was necessarily looking for things just for work. I think he was either subconsciously or like self exploring his own personal desires, which came out more and more and uh, Nikki ended up being like kind of a catalyst to allow him like to get straight, like freaky and weird. Or he was starting to realize that he actually had a real fondness for that stuff and was trying to fight off the guilt kind of in the same vein where that, you know, like when he was showing he was uncomfortable when Nikki was burning himself, he's kind of fighting himself. I was like, Ooh, he, I, look, like I, I agree. Like I, I, I don't disagree. Like those are, but yeah, like, and um, the way that, that Nikki see, like it, it, again, it just like plows right into two the sexual piece of it, because like at the end of the day, she is um, a a vector for him to explore the, like what's going on. Like, I mean, look, their relationship is not it's not like built on like deep characterization. You know, it's sort of like it's, <laughs> it's based fun. on like very specific um, ideas that Cronenberg wants to dig into. And like, look, I think it's a fair criticism of Cronenberg that like he cares more about the ideas that the characters are sort of there to work through. And I I can't, Joe, maybe you said like, he cares more about the questions that the characters are like there to ask than the characters themselves as absolutely characters narratively or literarily or whatever, how we want to frame it. So yeah. Do you think you'd be right. able to pierce somebody? I think so. Nice. Yeah. And you're like the year, like look, like that was by today's that standards. Needle like, was not sanitary. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> That's the first <laughs> thing I thought. Put I was it in his mouth. The biggest <laughs> yeah. danger in that sex scene is, um, you know, infection. he puts it in his mouth and then he pierces the other A ear. Staph like, infection. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, on. and he's made it clear that throughout this movie that he's not a hygienic dude. I, that was one of my biggest laughs in the beginning like a, when he was dipping his pizza crust in his coffee. There, You know, there's like a cork involved. It's like that. a whole thing. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Would you recommend this movie, Joe? Yes, I would. Casey? Yeah, I would. John? 100% yes. Fine. I guess. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Does not do you it for me. Son of a bitch. I don't think I like David Cronenberg, John. I think I've decided. You are it's okay. You're, no, it's not. Your okay. your years long effort to sway me has actually backfired. How do you feel? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna watch Existence again soon. Let's we'll do that together. Cool. Yeah. I'll probably have that down. too. Just I'm get sure. it done and watch Crash. Cover it for the show. I mean, I've, I've never I've watched seen Crash. Crash. I do. So I own Joe Bob's. I guess it probably wasn't his first, the book he wrote around turn of the century. It was like a, where he took 12 like infamous movies and wrote like kind of histories on them. And one of them was Crash. So I've read that and it was pretty interesting, but I've never seen Crash. 
It's a wild movie. It's amazing. That's my favorite yeah. Cronenberg. <laughs> uh, Profoundly Disturbing was the name of that Joe Bob book. It's good. Nice. All right. It's going to do it for Videodrome. Let's take a quick break and do some fan mail. Stephen King, author of Cujo and Carrie. David Cronenberg, director of Scanners. Together, they put you in the grip of the dead zone. You're a devil. From the mind of Stephen King, a vision of the future. The Dead Zone, rated R. Starts today, Mansbro and Westwood, Chinese Hollywood and theaters. This is Courtney Gaines, Malachi from Children of the Corn, and you're listening to Bloody Good Horror. it was good but i thought it was fine what's what's the beef give me the beef so i was describing it to someone today earlier um have you seen the minion movies like i've seen i think i've seen yeah, most of the elimination and impossible to sit through so i'm like fine with them i can't tell you one fucking plot point from any of those movies and yeah. i feel the same way about the mario movie like yeah, I don't know. It's just sort of like it washed over me, and then yeah. I was like, did I watch that? Yeah, dude, if I'm taking my kid to the theater, that's like best case scenario, I feel like. No, no, <laughs> like, my kids loved it. I I was happy they loved it. I was not offended at any point. If anything, I was almost like, it was too much fan service. <laughs> there was like a level of fan service going on that I was like, all right, fine. No, see, I love that. See, the way I described it was, to someone else was, it is exactly an average kids movie with just a bunch of added nostalgia. Like, yeah, 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 I, totally. In fact, I was actually sort the of Easter uh, eggs were decent too. I, I was say. almost taken aback by because they added in uh, just a ton of little musical motifs. Sometimes it was like yeah. three, four notes. The way that massaged my brain, John. I, I, I was like, man, nostalgia is a dangerous drug because, like, but I literally I could use more of it. I feel like I could have used a like cranked up 10 notches fan no, service well, movie honestly I, I agree with, well i look i like i would have taken a lot of a more in a lot of different directions i would have been fine with i guess like ultimately it was probably too much expectations like i thought the trailers were good and i was like pretty excited for it and i went in and i was like expecting it to be like an actually good movie and i think it was like a fine kids movie like it was like a fun family theater yeah. experience but like not a movie that i like give a shit about what happened at the end of the day i wasn't expecting to so that's i get it yeah and, I and would like say, again that's on me i well, guess one for thing i thought during the movie was i could have used 
like Bowser and the Koopas destroy like one other like kingdom in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then he's just kind of on ice the whole movie until the very end. Like I could have used them going around and destroying more kingdoms on their way to like Mushroom Kingdom. The, the most interesting scene in the movie to me was the Bowser piano Jack Black like singing speeches really i just thought that was hilarious that they like like yeah okay you get to sing that's fine but that's that was like a thing that was like a like moment of like yeah bowser being just like so absurd Joe, did you see it no my kids saw it before i got uh met up with them at the beach uh over Uh the weekend so it was on friday they saw it yeah i liked uh really like that toad Toad is my favorite, John. Toad was really good. He's it was, Keegan, it was Keegan, Keegan Michael, Michael Key. Key yeah. Yeah. He was um, really good. And I liked I like I always like a good Charlie Day in my life. So um, I no, I mean, like as you're saying this, I'm like, yeah, I love like there's there aren't even parts of it where I was like, that was fucking like I chuckled. I just I don't know. I it was, was I enjoyed that they referenced the Super Mario Bros. Super Show with Captain Lou Albano. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Do they reference the movie, like the original movie? Not that I caught. However, a lot of the references felt like I was not picking them up. Like there is. Do you know, John? And I assume maybe it's Mario Sunshine, but in the like dungeon. Yeah, the, the star hit, that's that's like sad star. Yeah. Is that is that Mario yeah, Sunshine? Yeah. I think I or no, game. I think it's Mario Galaxy. Actually, it's kind but... of the best character in the movie. Yeah, like, totally. I that. But I don't remember the star. Like I remember, I think it's Mario Galaxy. I don't remember the star being negative in the game. Being like, like I don't Michi, remember it being basically. like a, yeah, like a depressive star in the game. I think they just like went that direction for the movie. But that's yeah, where that star character, I'm I'm fairly certain, comes from. My kids really liked it, and good news, they are both now large enough to actually hold down the movie theater seat with their legs. <laughs> <laughs> Like we went to a movie last summer and they literally had to sit with their butts right on the edge of the seat because if they went back too far, it would go like that, like sandwich them. We we were in one of the theaters. So we saw it in 3D. Did you see the 3D? I refuse to ever see a 3D movie again. So. Yeah, I mean, like agree. And there was no value to the 3D and I would have, but it was like the time was the right time we wanted to go. Um, but it also had the reclining seats and my kids were like fucking mind blown by the reclining seats. It, oh yeah they literally we don't have those like, around here you know yeah joe the last 3d movie i saw was the original captain america and okay. the projector was so dark that like i almost walked out it was like a horrendous Ugh. movie going experience and i've never i have not seen a 3d movie since so i saw exhumed films uh came up with their own technology as far as the glasses go to do 3d on 35 millimeter and they did a triple feature of friday the 13th part three okay now clearly that's some shit i can get behind obviously (laughs) i'm not crazy (laughs) i i was not like that movie was always mad to me i was blown the fuck away i was like holy shit that was like one of my (laughs) you took this to the third dimension which are you talking about jaws or the friday friday Mm-hmm. <laughs> they also did Amity uh Amity guys. 3D, nice. So now was, that I could get into fun. Yeah. Yeah. Eric's like, I'll never see another 3D movie unless it's one from the 80s. <laughs> and then I'll definitely go. Yeah. That's called history, John. Yeah. Look it up. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know what I don't know. Look, on? Like, people can oh. like, guess what? Everyone who wanted to see that Mario Brothers movie saw the fucking Mario Brothers movie. I feel like because mm-hmm. it did. 
just destroyed every record. It's kind of insane they waited this long to try this again. Like it's crazy. Totally agree. Clearly, well, now the question more. Yeah, well, they oh, yeah. dude, there's so many. Like, there's no was, Yoshi. They there was like one. There's like yeah, a, Yoshi's like, like the by. only thing they left out. Like they yeah. literally hit like an extended. There's an extended Mario Kart sequence. There's an extended Smash Bros sequence. There's like Donkey yeah. Kong. Yeah, I no, hated, they, they, uh, there's a million directions they can. Go I did it. not like, um, Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong. Oh, my kids loved Cranky. I don't Kong. think I like Fred Armisen. Loved. I don't know. So how do you not like? All right, that's all. We can take that up separately. But <laughs> Fred Armisen is a just a delight. I, I, I actually thinks, agree with you. Like Fred Armisen in Cranky Kong, rather. I just did not. I think Fred Armisen thinks he's funnier than he is. I'm with you there. Oh, man, peak Fred. There's some very good. Fred sure, Armisen. old school SNL. Sure, yeah, I'll give you that. Old school, to 15 years ago. It's weird um, to hear that. All right, Casey. Yes. Tell me about your new episode with Whitney. Yes, I sat down and did a "How Do You Horror" with Whitney, uh, and we had a great conversation, despite me making her watch Six String uh, Samurai. Which is, you know, one of my favorite I, dorky movies. I literally it's remember the fourth person you've gotten to watch that movie, <laughs> at least on oh. record. <laughs> yeah. So we had a good time. She came up with an excellent uh, set of trivia questions at the end of her show. I was surprised. I was very nervous. I think I got uh, Eric. I think we tied. We're like five and five. For, she told me. I don't remember. It's been it a was while. the most impossible quiz I've ever taken. It was pretty hard. Yeah. She had some good ones in there. That's awesome. Uh, so you can find that episode on our Patreon RSS audio feed. It's it's like any other podcast feed. You just have to enter the link into your podcatcher and it'll come up. We discovered, John, in our survey mm-hmm. that some people don't know what that is. Well, there's yeah. Yes, there's a there's a lot of folks who are not uh, patrons who are just like, yeah, I don't know what that is. Obviously. And then there's a handful of patrons that didn't know what it is. And we're here to tell you it's something you should check out. Um, We should, I feel like we should do like, we can surface. Patreon has some content that we can probably surface to our patrons that uh, further highlights how they can get access to that feed and some of this this, uh, awesome content as Mm -hmm. Casey is describing. Um, Is the survey still going or no? We cut it off. All right. Survey is done. But thank you to all of uh, the respondents. Yes. It's, it's been cool. And uh, so we're looking at it. I like I went through it very quickly the other day, but uh, we're going to we're going to dig in and uh, we'll circle back. We'll circle back. That's that's business talk, uh, but we'll circle back for you all and let you know where we're at. I do like to circle back. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, no email. What's on Twitter? All right, we got a couple tweets out there this week. Uh, let's see here. We'll start out with the well-adjusted horror podcast at Well Horror. What are your thoughts on Guillermo del Toro's potential Frankenstein, starring Mia Goth, Andrew Garfield, and Oscar Isaac? Wow, is that the cast? Good lord! Yeah, I could give a shit about Frankenstein, but that cast could get me to watch probably anything. So you put yeah. Oscar Isaac and. Um, Mia Goth together on screen, and you might burn the house down. Like that's I mean, a lot of yeah. that's a lot of del, heat. 
John del Toro Mayer. still has not steered me wrong, period. Like, yeah. I have yeah, not yeah. watched a del Toro <laughs> related, and I mean I that think, both as a director and a producer. I think honestly. I'm mostly annoyed that he seems to be one of these people that will endlessly announce projects and very rarely actually put out a movie. Well, um, that's what I was going to say. I'm a. How many of these stories do we hear that's like, he's working on this, he's doing that? They're like, all right. He was supposed to do Monster, the manga adaptation. Like, and, just uh, tell me when yeah. the next Del Toro thing is out. Into give the me House a one of week. Give Mario, me a one the week mountains heads madness. up. Yeah. Mountains of Madness. They, no, that's what I was going to say. I'm a huge Frankenstein uh, nerd. I love Frankenstein. And the idea of Oscar Isaac has got to be playing Dr. Frankenstein. That would be my... So. I think that's amazing, but yeah, Sexy it's here about Del Toro. Once I hear that they've actually started shooting, I'll get excited. Fair enough. All right. Next up, we have at Lovely Dead Adam. If you had to turn one part of your body into a goopy flesh VCR, where would it be? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, that was the worst. I really hate it. And they show it a lot, too. Yeah. No, it gets a lot of play. I'm going to go. At least in Existence, the little ports are just like little teeny buttholes on your back. <laughs> I was going to go like side, like you're, you're like above your hip, like below your rib cage situation. I feel Man. like like it's not quite as prominent as like no the belly button. No, no, it's yeah, it's all terrible. Someone's ramming a VHS into your body, you know, whole like it's yeah, it's all bad. So I don't know. I've got uh, kidney stone problems, you know, fairly regularly. So anywhere in that area, I'm already used to the pain. Go for it. <laughs> I'm going to go right where you would get a tramp stamp this way. Like the uh, the port, you get kind of confused. Like, wait a minute, which one am I putting in here? With your well, tramp stamp, you mean? <laughs> that way you have built-in fan exhaust for your VCR, right? That's true, yeah, right? <laughs> Be kind, rewind. <laughs> All right, next up we have a longtime listener at Schnecky91. First, I really hope you... T- all those werewolf TV series comments is the joke they were meant to be. Just some friendly badgering there. Not a problem, Schnecky Week. We know. Oh, I love mean, it. even if even a joke can fire me up. It just depends on the day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all good. And second, finally watch Spine of Night. Might have to start questioning the judgment of some of you. Way too many animated penises. Oh wow! Oh, perfect amount of animated penises. I'm sorry. Yeah, I haven't sorry, seen it, but I'll like say fun. not enough. Animated yeah. Joe, oh man, Joe, you got to put it on the list. It's very good. Yeah, right? I think you well, like it, Joe. It's uh, you're gonna love the amount of animated penises I've. <laughs> so. That's really the all, all I need. <laughs> yeah. All right, at Well Horror is uh, got us another question here, and this is a multiple choice question. So, oh God. <laughs> in order to prepare for Renfield, which Nick Cage movie would you watch? A. Vampire's Kiss. B. Bringing Out the Dead. C. Color Out of Space. D. Mandy. Or E. The right answer. All of the above. I don't really want to watch C or D again as much as I enjoyed both of them. I haven't seen Vampire's Kiss in a long time. Uh, yeah, that I think, actually, uh, honestly, I think their correct I mean. answer is Con Air, which it usually is. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I think that's rock. acceptable. Bringing out the dead. So fucking good, though. So good. He looks more tired <sighs> than I've ever felt. 
I saw this really amazing thing on Twitter. I wish I remember the name of the movie, but there's some movie, I think from the late eighties, early nineties, that Nicholas Cage makes this really bizarre cameo in where this couple is, they're stranded in the side of the road. Their car's broken down. He drives into frame in this like vintage car with an enormous, ridiculous prosthetic nose on doing a weird voice. And he's on screen for like 90 seconds and disappears and it was the story was circulating on Twitter last week or the week before, because apparently the anecdote was that this guy wanted him in the movie and he was like, OK, but only if I can wear this nose and do this voice and do exactly what I want to do. Like, you can't tell me what to do. Yeah. And apparently the guy agreed. And that was how this whole thing came came to be. It's pretty it's never on Tuesday. What's it called? It's never on Tuesday. It's a made for TV movie. Uh, yeah, from uh, 1989. You got to see the scene because what's amazing is like the characters don't break like they they're just having a normal movie. And here comes Nick Cage in this nose breezes in and out and they don't even address it. They're like, huh? OK. And then they just like move on with what they were doing. Yeah, they watch him drive off in the sunset. <laughs> <It's hilarious. laughs> anyway, good for Nick All right. Cage. This last one comes from at Skizbot. Now, really, this is a question for me. And if I had the capability, I'd start playing some Sarah McLaughlin music here. But does Casey ever feel left out over Eric's unrequited love affair with John? But no, I'm usually pretty good. We have I, Eric and I have our own snuggles from time to time. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Behind the scenes, you don't know what that action looks like, guys. Uh, yeah. you know. Eric and I like Nor to keep our love quiet. Our love, Casey and my yeah, it's platonic. Mm-hmm. Not so much uh, with Schnorris. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we don't need to get into it. Fair enough. We'll leave that. We'll leave that where it is. And that's it for Twitter, Eric. What's on Instagram? All right. Instagram still around weekly check in. What's your personal rule on when it's time to turn the AC on at home temperature or month? Month I, people are, are just stubborn assholes. Like it's got yeah, a temperature. Yeah. Thing. It, it, they like exist sometimes though, John. It's, sometimes it's warmer than other times. No. Well, so I, I think I'm actually probably going to sleep with it on tonight because it's going to be in the like mid fifties. So I'm probably going to put the AC on. We, we run our AC all through the winter because we have this fucked up <gasps> radiator system that here. you can't do anything with and just yeah. no, no, you, heat all yeah, the time. It just it's so like if we didn't it would be 85 degrees in our apartment <laughs> throughout the winter um That's amazing. so, so we, are you paying for ac and heat at the same time no, no, you don't pay for heat. The heat, you don't Wild. pay for it. Wild. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so so we're basically like paying for the AC throughout the winter. What generates that heat? Is it like a boiler or some shit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you don't have to pay for the hot water. So, but wow. like right now is actually the best time of year because we don't have, we, there's, you don't have to run the AC and they've turned the boiler off. So like, or not, they haven't turned the boiler off, they turned the radiators off. Yeah, so, um, huh. so like it gets into the like 60s at night perfect for me sleeping wise and uh yeah, yeah it fits especially in this place where i got there's two floors and it's really muggy upstairs at the point when it's like mid 50s high 50s overnight i'm putting the ac on because yeah. i don't like sleeping with the windows open because it gives me nasally situations john we yeah. just keep it like a constant like 67 year round and sometimes if you have to turn the air on in the winter to adjust we do <laughs> i also my neighborhood gets weirdly loud at night there's a lot of dogs like when my kids are here i don't want them to wake up 
So I'm not let I'm not letting them sleep with their windows open. So like they have the AC on because I need to sleep. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes my uh, AC rule though bites me because Colleen, bless her heart, has uh, suffers from hot flashes. So sometimes I wake up in the morning and it's like 59 degrees in the house. <laughs> <laughs> See, now it also depends on humidity for me. So like. I can if with no humidity, I could sit in this house 80 degrees with no air conditioning. The littlest bit of humidity, I might have it on when it's like 70 outside. What about you, Joe? Joe seems shocked by all these answers. It's way too complicated for me. I live in an old Victorian house and really I used to live without AC like before family. So I go based off whenever uh, Laura starts uh, complaining that it's <laughs> too damn hot and I you throw like a rough it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I grew up with um, central air, so I, I was pretty spoiled from the start. So, like, I can't be in a place without central air. My last apartment didn't have it. It was a nightmare. We have uh, window units and I have to I'll probably be uh, having them out back, disassemble them. Yeah, yeah. Bleach them. You clean them and nah. you, you get them back you in the bleach. Windows. Oh, I've never cleaned them. Oh, either. definitely. Oh, yeah. Just recycling the same last year. All right. Uh, is Schnars going to miss the show for his choice like Casey did? Also, she spelled her name K- the with the letters Casey, which I thought was cute. No, did like the look. I I take some responsibility for Piggy as well because yeah, that wasn't all me. I had been advocating for it. <clears throat> Other than John working for a big podcast, what does the rest of the crew do in real life? I work in cybersecurity. Dun, dun, dun. Exciting. How about you, Joe? I'm an enzymologist. Wow. You study enzymes? I do. Yeah. Fascinating. What kind of stuff, like projects do you work on? Uh, a lot of it tends to be uh, cancer research. Uh, hmm. But we, uh, I mean, I, I help set up uh, all of our COVID testing. And so we do like uh, uh, some pro, uh, protease uh, spike proteins and stuff like that, uh, as well as uh, it's kind of runs the gamut of things. Um, a lot of methyl transferases. So is your job transferases. So is your job oh, very like, methyl transferases. Is your job very like grant focused? No. So we're a uh, private That's industry. Uh, we're, a, we're a CRO. So it's a con- contract research organization. And we, all the companies that don't want to do the research in house, they outsource and we keep it at least in the States. So uh, they outsource it to us. Uh, and then we have sites in Europe. This way we can hit uh, both markets huh. as well. That's kind of huh. cool. Capitalism. Nice. Oh, yeah. Um, I work in media. I work for a news organization and I create media for them, John. Videos, the new flesh. The I new participate flesh. in the new flesh. You are. You are. <laughs> I'm a You're, part of the new flesh machine. Yes, you are. You're a new yeah. flesh machine. Yeah. I like that. Oh God, that's good. That's why he was so anti-videodrome. There you mm. go. Yeah, I don't want Too people real. to figure it Too out. Real. Yeah. You're real. If you could penetrate yourself with a VHS tape, which <laughs> tape would you pick? This question Ooh. I like. Ooh. I was like, this is only for Eric, actually. <laughs> it's probably the burning. Maybe Sleepaway Camp too. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to answer, answer Videodrome is my answer, actually. Oh, it's meta. meta. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's meta. I like it. What about you, Joe? 
Ah, shit. I am going to go Steel Magnolias. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. You son of a bitch. I want to go with one of those old bootleg... uh, like three movies recorded off of HBO and Skinamax. So, you know, <laughs> with like your, yeah. And I used to, when I would have those, my handwriting is terrible. So I'd have my mom write the labels on them because she had really neat handwriting. So I had all these VHS <laughs> as a kid that would be like Halloween too, like in my mom's handwriting. Hilarious. Uh, this is from Chris. What is it about Cronenberg that makes John so moist? Good question, Chris. What do you think, John? <sighs> I think about this a lot. Um, I mean, I talked about it before. There is a, there is a density of narrative that that you get in these movies, but there's also like a density of ideas. Like he he is doing shit in movies that you're just like, I don't know, you're trying to keep up, and that's awesome. And sometimes it doesn't work out, like in Crimes of the Future, where I'm like. I don't know what the fuck he's trying Was to do here. Was this the first Cronenberger uh, you saw? Uh, no, I mean, the first I pro- I think that's actually an interesting question. I think the first I probably saw was The Fly. Like, that's sort of his most commercial and is fucking great. Um, yeah, I actually like The Fly a lot. That's, now, that's a movie I would be super into doing in the show. And worth noting, like it has a much cleaner narrative through line than most of his other movies. No, no, it's 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 I, I actually it's very accessible. know this. I think it might have been like one that he did for a more, you know, mainstream studio. But yeah, no, it's it's a much clearer, cleaner narrative. But he still manages to connect it back through to the body horror sort mm-hmm. of. Well, yeah, of sure. his entire oeuvre. Um yeah, I don't know. I, it's funny because you you were talking about how like part of what makes you maybe not care for Cronenberg is the body horror stuff. I don't think of myself as someone who like loves body horror. I fucking there's not a single one of his movies that I have not liked. And John, you love body horror, but I don't know. I, yeah, I guess I don't know. I guess I do. I'm pro body horror. You love it. I do. John, have you seen Fast Company? No, I have not. So that That's, was his really early racing movie. Yeah. He loves racing. And in fact, like Max Ren's name, Ren is uh, a German for, I think, uh, racing. Yeah. It's well, and that was like a movie he made. I think that was a big studio. But like he basically got hired. It was like right after Rabbit or one of those early like shivers. Uh, but no, I've never seen it. Um, it so. involves an amazing scene with Claudia Jennings and motor oil. That is all I will say. Okay. All right. <laughs> Gross. I, yeah. I gotta uh, get next, speaking of, next up, since Joe is there, how would he rank Videodrome in his pantheon of grody softcore horror sleaze? Ooh. Uh, it's definitely up there. Um, I mean, if, if we're going to do a top five, top ten, it's probably somewhere up in that ranking. Um, society's got to be up in up there as well. I don't know uh, how we're what else we're. You know what's so funny? I so Joe Bob did an episode on society, and I watched the first two acts, and then for whatever reason got to, had to step away from it. I never finished it when and like I know the point of that movie is the last like thirty minutes. You got to uh, go back. It's a little boring up until then, if I'm being honest. It uh, it's almost like. It sets a, some of the stage for like get out, except against like rich people. 
But yeah, you're not wrong. It's all about like the payoff at the end. And yeah. I've seen like those screen caps of that scene so much that it's like, I get it. His head's in his butt. Like, huh? I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do like Mad God. So maybe there's a crossover there. With just butt monsters. Yeah. Lots of butts. Mm-hmm. Last question of the evening. If you could keep anything inside a stomach pouch, what would it be? Hmm. It'd be cool if I could like just put my phone in there, like stuff that I to keep my pockets clear, basically. Yeah, um, that's what I was thinking. I probably could like keep my wallet in there. Yeah. No when my kids were that. babies, if I could use it as like a papoose. Ah, <laughs> there you go. That's not bad. I like that. It's working for the marsupials, right? They got something going on <laughs> there. It's true. Maybe a small chihuahua. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, right. Like it's like, it's sort of like a super pocket. So it's like, what's your most valuable thing that you put Mm -hmm. in a pocket? A very secure because no one's reaching in there. I feel like my phone's filthy and that would make me not want to put it in there, but your stomach John has acids in it. So you'll be fine. I just dawned on me. Them asking the four of us, you guys would show up and pull out like a comb and maybe a wallet and a cell phone where I'd be the one in the comedy movie that keeps pulling guns out and stuff. You know, <laughs> here's my TV remote and a book. And <laughs> uh, You could keep snacks in there. Oh, yeah. You know. Uh, I will big, I probably have it's an awful big middleman involved for uh, snacks, though. That's true. Um, next week, John. I think we're doing Renfield. Renfield. So I now have to figure out how I'm getting to the theater or when yeah, I'm I am excited. It feels like we should do it. Oh, I mean, totally agree. And uh, look, we're back in the theaters. Theaters are open for business, man. Yeah. Did you see those Mario numbers? Crazy. I didn't. Did what was the number? It, I mean, it set the. I I can't remember. It was like three seventy five globally. It set the record Damn. for um, opening domestic and global for a. Uh, uh, an oh, they're probably movie. shitting themselves with joy over there in Nintendo headquarters. Yeah, dude, Miyamoto just like. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing with Nintendo too. I mean, that's just pure profit for them. Mm-hmm. Variety put out a study. Apparently, if you release a movie for a limited time in a theater first. And then out in the digital market, you make more money. Go fucking figure. Yeah. Who would have yeah. guessed? Quiet, Joe. <laughs> who would have guessed? Uh, yeah, Renfield. The trailer looks crazy. I don't know what to make of this fucking movie. So I guess I'm we'll not, see. I don't think I'm going to like it, but I'm curious. Maybe that'll work in my favor. Uh, I think I'm going to be giddy. The reviews, I, I've only seen like headlines. Uh, it's apparently really fucking gory, which like time you and, do see in the red light. Time red and time trailer, and, so. the last five to 10 years have proven something to me, which is that Nick Cage can 100% get me in the seat. It is not guaranteed I'm going to like it just because he's in there doing his shit. Like, Eric, Nick Cage hasn't be made a, a theatrical movie. film in... No, no, whatever. A theoretical, theoretical seat, John. Yeah, yeah. My okay. point is that there are a, a lot of people who like that's all it takes is Nick Cage, but I'm not. So John. you still. I love over. what's his name, Nicholas Holt, I believe. Yeah. Pro Nicholas Holt. Yeah, uh, I, to baby James Marsden. Aquafina. I, I think like this Aquafina too. Yeah, I think there's I've the, the I can be pro Aquafina, and I can there's there's been less good, but you know. Joe, don't you think he looks like baby James Marsden? And so I've never thought about like that, a Muppet but... Babies version of him. Yeah, like I could <laughs> see it. 
They should play Brothers if it hasn't yes. happened yet. Yeah, they should. <laughs> That's honest to God. I'm worried you're on drugs right now. No. <laughs> That's that's fine. I'm gonna baby yeah. James Marston. Is all we'll I'm take saying. that. We'll take that offline. <laughs> Renfield next week. Get excited. Check us out. Patreon.com slash bloody good horror. Joe, where can people find you when you're not here? Uh, find me on Twitter. Uh, and I am uh, one of the I'm the host and one of the co-hosts of Films of First Sight and No Film Left Behind, wherever you get your podcasts. Love it. Uh, thank you for joining us and thank you everybody for listening and we will talk to you guys next week see you adios bye bye